welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to see how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Jesse. Like Jesse said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. If you listen to the show with regularity, you may notice that Jesse is sitting in for my usual co-host, Tim. Today, Jesse will be doing it all, running the board, recording the show, and taking your phone calls. Feel free to give him a grade at flagandbanner.com. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> if right now you're sitting at your computer, you might want to watch us live on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. It's kind of fun to see what goes on behind the scenes. And today, there's a lot going on. Roger Robinson is a guest technician and a friend to the, our show, and he's in the studio, and he's got three cameras going, and we're going to have a professional facebook feed as soon as he logs into flagandbanner.com's facebook page so if you're on if you're sitting at your computer get ready we'll be going live there in just a second and also joining flag and banners team here is my longtime neighbor in downtown little rock arkansas the good people at ab arkansas marty he's over there watching the levels when we do get on facebook you're going to be shocked at how many people are in this hot room and it's a hot room with a lot of people breathing y'all quit breathing Hot air over there. This show, Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, began with Entrepreneurs in Mind, a platform for me, a small business owner and a guest, to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. As with all new endeavors, it's had some unexpected outcomes, good outcomes. For instance, this show began with entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs in mind, but we found it has a much wider appeal because, after all, who isn't inspired by everyday people's American-made stories? Another discovery that I find interesting is that many, many of my guests have a spiritual bent and the heart of a teacher. And last, that business in of itself is creative. My guest entrepreneur today, Miss Anita Davis, is uber creative, evident by all the restoration and changes she's made to the once abandoned part of downtown Little Rock, Arkansas, now known as SOMA or South on Main. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you may be asking yourself, what's this lady's story and why should I listen? Well, Jesse is here to tell you. That's right. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie McCoy founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed dramatically. From door-to-door sales, to telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales, and now Flag and Banner relies heavily on the internet, including the newest feature, live chatting. With time and experience, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew, as well as the confidence to branch out into multimedia marketing that began with the nonprofit Dreamland Ballroom, as well as the in-house publication of Brave Magazine, and now this very radio show. It was in the fall of 2016 when Carrie found herself mentoring yet another ambitious person and decided in a broader way to pay forward not only her life experiences, but others too. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guest about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you would like to ask Carrie a question or share your story, you can email questions at upyourbusiness.com. Thank you, Jesse. My guest today is a developer, preservationist, visionary, purse collector, yes, purse collector, and entrepreneur, Miss Anita Davis. Born and raised in the small town of Murfreesboro, Arkansas, Anita grew up in a time of downtown communities with sidewalks and locally owned shops. So in 2004, when she moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and saw a group of old buildings in disrepair at the south end of Main Street, she got inspired to recreate a time gone by and began the decade-long revitalization of what we now call SOMA, or South on Main. At the corner of 15th and Main, Anita is the landlord for the Green Corner Store, Lob Lolly Creamery, my favorite, and the nationally recognized Root Cafe. On the next corner, a block down, she lovingly constructed a sculpture garden and named it after her grandmother, Bernice Garden. And in 2013, Anita had the idea of sharing her lifelong addiction of purse collecting into yet another unique and thoroughly modern concept by opening the Essie Purse Museum with a private collection of no less than 3,000 period purses. I love that. 
It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the shy and creative entrepreneur, Miss Anita Davis. Talk to me about your life in Murfreesboro, Arkansas. Well, um, I was born in 1946, and so by the time I was 12, uh, it was the 50s, Mm -hmm. and uh, we had three pharmacies, and we had three three grocery stores, and... um, you know that we had everything we needed we had a dairy queen by the 60s and uh, a five and dime soda fountains and um car an auto dealership yeah a so, lot of small businesses right. yes and, and just, so you could walk everywhere mm-hmm. and not that everybody did walk everywhere but you could so uh, i was sort of i guess i was getting a little training in what neighborhoods could be if they weren't the suburbs where you had houses all together and then the uh, businesses away from that, so it which was, was the rest of the which was the rest of the world. Right. We were all moving towards suburbs. Yes, yes. And you were still living in a small town, right? With small town, um, small town uh, qualities. Yes. And conveniences. Yes. In a community, I like that. Yeah. But you went to you went to college. I did. I went to college. I went to uh, two Baptist schools. I went in to uh, Washita, and then I went to Baylor, and then back to Washita because I had quite a bit of fun at Baylor. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom made you come back home. I had to go back, and um, so closer to home, yes. So uh, I read you have a degree in science, is that right? It is. It was home economics back when we had home economics, and you had as much science as a physician would have. So Is that right? Yeah. Yes. I did not realize that, because cooking is science. Yes. People. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it really is. So uh, I think, also, I read that you are an artist. Actually, um, I love to make things. Well, one of my real passions has been in my life. I, I don't get to do it very much anymore, but I love flea markets and I love uh, antique malls. So, uh, and then I love studying about things that are, as you say, spiritual. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've studied some dream work while mm-hmm. uh, living here. And uh, so, I think that doing those things kind of coincided with each other, and I would make things that sort of came from the teaching that I was uh, either dreaming or learning. And so I would find these objects and put them together and then put a name on them. What did you call that when we were walking up the stairs? I'm not saying. You're not saying. It's assemblage. It's assemblage. Oh, that's what it was. I love it. Artistic assemblage. Uh I think that's really fun. I have another girlfriend like that. And if she's listening, I'm going to tell her it's Kathleen King. Of course. I had lunch with her yesterday. Oh, you did? Yes. Well, small town Little Rock. Let me tell you, she's the same way. She likes to collect things. And she calls it mosaics. Uh You could call it mosaics, I guess. Uh, And then, uh, is this true? Because I couldn't find anything Uh but one little sentence about about this did you own a mail order catalog i did Uh, back in the 80s i owned a business called pure and simple and i had a a little store a brick and mortar store on main street in nashville arkansas oh from murfreesboro to nashville yes well i've lived a lot of places in between and i've actually lived in little rock for 30 years oh so you didn't move here in 2004 no no okay as again, can't read it, can't believe everything you That's read on right. the internet. That's right, absolutely not. No, you absolutely cannot. <laughs> I had a guest on last week who said, uh, or a, week, a couple of weeks ago, and the internet actually said he was born in Tennessee, and he said, I absolutely was not born in Tennessee. I was born in Arkansas. I thought that was interesting. Yes. But in, you, uh, you, you, I'm fascinated by a mail order catalog because Arkansas Flag and Banner also is a does mail order. And the 80s was when Lillian Vernon came out. Yes. Is that what inspired you? Was that catalog? Well, I love the Horchow catalog and from Dallas. And uh, I also love to collect things that were made by hand in the South. And so I I sold uh, willow furniture and handmade quilts, uh, decoys, and uh, that sort of thing. So it was... um, You could do willow furniture with mail-order catalog? 
Yes, back then. And I, I would sell it to New York City on Park Avenue. They'd buy it for their, you know, for their other second home and, and that sort of thing. Is there anybody still making willow furniture? In I'm sure there are. I don't think so. I haven't really tried lately. But, you know, I was in uh, Nashville, which is was kind of the thick of it. You know, we, we had lots of willows and we had people that knew how to make it. And it was fun to sell. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, Google it. Because I had some. And Bent willow. Uh-huh. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. It's very beautiful and artistic. I just love it. Uh, but I will say this. The squirrels also love it. Yes. They eat it. Right. It doesn't last a real long time. Mm-mm. Not unless you, I guess if you put it indoors, it might. But who wants a willow tree chair on indoors? So uh, pure and simple. How long did you do it? Oh, not not very long. It, it was very expensive. And uh it, you would bring in a lot of money, but it you know the the postage was so much, and then you had to buy a list for names. And uh, anyway, didn't last really long. It, it took in a lot of money, but it was expensive to run. Right, the overhead was right. high. You right. had a big cost of goods. Right, and then you had to have to ship it. Yes. and crate it. Right, and so by the time and back then, I don't think people were using credit cards. It was probably everything was on credit, or were they doing a lot of credit cards? There sales? were credit cards then, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of a different situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were featured in the Chicago Tri- Tribune, oh. and so it was really fun because it was, you know, it was kind of one of those risk things, and people recognized it. And then also it was a niche, so uh, no. not a lot of people were doing that. No, then. catalogs were kind of the new thing mm-hmm. in the '80s. So you have two daughters. Were they born? Oh already? yes, uh huh. One uh, was born in '72 uh, and, and 1976. So did they help you with it, or no? They weren't old enough. Your, so you yeah. ran it out of your house where your children were young, I guess. No, no. I had a little place on on Main Street uh, in Nashville. You are a complex woman. I can't follow your whole <laughs> business career. So what was your business career? Well, it's it's sort of uh, let's see, what is the word? A little jagged or a little? It, you know, it's not real consistent. Mm-hmm. I know. I, you, 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 you're very creative. You dabble in this. You dabble in that. You do a lot of different things. So after you sold that business, what did you do for a living? Uh, well, I had Vagabonds up in the Heights. Oh, really? Uh-huh, with Tracy Dutterar. And uh, there again... Tell our guests what that sold, what you sold at Vagabonds. Oh, um, we were some of the first that had espresso, espresso coffee, and we had uh, vintage clothes and things... Just cool things, modern kind of things that are retro, and um, we also had desserts, and then we had people that played music, and it it was kind of behind Boulevard uh, in the Heights. And why'd you quit doing that? Because it was successful. Well, I just got tired of it. I'm just not a uh, yes. <laughs> You're so I, I, creative. <laughs> You're like I made that, did it? Got to go on to the next thing. So I uh, will. What'd you, you do next? Um, well, then it was, uh, 2004 happened after that. So are that you, was, are your parents entrepreneurs? Uh, yeah. Well, my dad was in a, a family business. He was a, 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 a lumberman mm-hmm. and t- had timber and, uh, mm-hmm. my mother, uh, loved to, uh, she was quite gregarious and she was always involved in things, um, community things and. Uh, she would come to Little Rock for Keep Arkansas Beautiful and that sort of thing. So your mother was involved in the community, which makes sense with you. And then your father was an entrepreneur, which makes sense with you. And you kind of got the best of both of those people. All right. This is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the South on Main developer, entrepreneur extraordinaire, SE Purse Museum curator, Miss Anita Davis. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you missed any part of this show, a podcast will be made available next week at flagandbanner.com's website. If you prefer to listen on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud, you'll find those links as well. Lots of listening options. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Miss Anita Davis, leading developer of South on Main in Little Rock, Arkansas, and curator of her very own SC Purse Museum with a private collection of over 3,000 purses. Now, that was in an article I read that was a few years old, so how many is it now? I'm not telling. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
And, you know, if they weren't adorable purses, we'd call you a hoarder. Yes, that's true. And if they were all piled up to the ceiling, that could also be. But they're not. They're a clue. That would be. But they're. <laughs> so are they piled up to the ceiling? No. No, oh, good. Um, before the break, we were talking about growing up in a small town and how it affected you and how you liked the community of a small town when, every, when all everybody else in Little Rock and the bigger cities were moving to the suburbs. Murfreesboro, Arkansas was staying the same. So I thought you moved to Little Rock in 2004, but you said you'd been here for a while being an entrepreneur in the Heights area with Vagabonds. But now we're coming up on 2004, and um, you've become the driving force in the development of developing the whole south end of Maine, Bernie's Garden, the Lincoln Building, the Sweden Cream Drive-In that's now the Root Cafe, and your Essie Purse Museum. The Bernice Building, where Boulevard and Moxie, mm-hmm. uh, that was my very first building, and, oh, okay. and I still own that one. And I sold uh, the Sweden Cream Building to Carrie and Jack. Oh, you uh, did? A year or two ago. I, I can't remember exactly. But after they got the wonderful grant, uh, they really wanted to invest in that property, and it made sense to them to uh, buy the property. So, uh, and we really wanted to keep them in uh, the South Main area. So, Anita uh, Davis, can I just say I love you? <laughs> that was a very good thing for you to do with them. Well, they're they're just such a boon for our area. They're and great people. Yes. So yes. So I'll quit saying you own the Sweden Cream Drive-in where the Root Cafe is, but you did buy it, develop it, right, and for Root Cafe, and then they well, had recently. Well, no, I didn't. It was before I even knew about them. It's sort of like you know, you're pregnant with mm-hmm. <laughs> with something, but you don't know exactly what you're going to get, and mm-hmm. you're kind of getting the room already. So that's kind of the way it was. I've noticed that all entrepreneurs have that spiritual bent. You just you just described it perfectly. You're pregnant with these ideas. And you just have faith that if you keep, you know, growing your idea, it's going to all work out. Well, it's really interesting how that happens. And it's also interesting that if you kind of identify your philosophy, other people will will kind of pair up with you and understand that that's my philosophy, too. I want to do that. And it's really just taking care of the land. And uh, uh, we want a walkable community so that... Uh, we don't have to rely on our cars so much, and uh, we want to uh, make it slow, the traffic slow down just a bit so that we can all walk and not be scared that we're going to be hit. And uh, then also, uh, it sort of makes us pay attention to the litter and the trash that's on the street so that it's not going down into the storm drains and ruining the Fush Creek. So there's all kinds of uh, opportunities there. And the garden is about having more dirt. You know, the dirt takes in the rain and we don't have as much flood. And so we have beautiful little curb uh, knockouts in our area that are uh, actually planted with a lot of beautiful things. What do you mean you have curb knockouts? Well, they're those things at... Carrie. I know it's the radio. It's hard to visualize. I know. So it's, it's so along like, the curbs you have. Yes. Uh, it's where there is dirt, where you can grow things right there at, at the corners. Oh, the garden's all the way up to the edge. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love that. And the, uh, the uh, Business Improvement District uh, takes care of that in our area. You've been called an accidental real estate developer. Yeah, it was accidental for sure. Mark Stodler, <laughs> our mayor, he said you were a godsend to South on Maine. Look, she's rolling her eyes. People out there in radio land, she's rolling her eyes. So you went to a convention, a Main Street convention in Seattle, Washington, and found, heard this term called placemaking, and it resonated with you. Did you already own the property when you heard this term, or did you hear this term and decide, I'm going to start buying up property? Which came first? I think I bought the property first, but I was also, I I mean, I had already tried to figure out what my part in uh, taking care of the earth was. And so it sort of gelled to think about my upbringing in this little bitty town and to see this area that uh, could use some goods and services for the neighborhood. And so that's kind of uh, how it played out goods and services Uh tell people what placemaking means well it's um 
I guess you would okay so like in 2004 I brought that property and I've got to tell you the story about that Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Bernice building, and Bernice is my grandmother's name. And so Talk I looked about up. serendipity. I know. I looked up, and I thought, hmm, I believe this may be the one. A sign. Uh-huh. And so, uh, and then in 2005, I bought the uh, the property next to it uh, that Steve Patrick owned, and he moved, he bought property on down a little bit further on uh, 15th Street, uh, 15th in Maine? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And uh, so then it gave me the opportunity to build the garden and do it sustainably so that it has a drip system and all that. But that's, I'm getting to your question just a, just a mm-hmm. minute. So I'm following yeah, you. Keep okay. Okay. So uh, uh, my grandmother uh, was, uh, she had four children and she really didn't get to live in one town for very long. And uh, she lived here with her sister. Uh, toward the end of her life and she worked at Frankie's cafeteria and basically in the south part of this of our world they say uh, that's when a person never got a dinner and it's sort of a, a, a old saying that they weren't really honored the way they probably would have been appropriate for her to be honored why what do you well, mean she I, wasn't just, honored well I mean she never got a dinner what do you mean like, she never got a dinner? I'm, 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 what do you mean? Is that a saying? She yes, never got a dinner. Right. What does that mean? It means that she. Okay, so we like when people retire, they either give you a watch back in oh. the old days, or they give you a dinner. She never got a dinner. She never <laughs> got a dinner party. Right. Basically. Yes. yes. Okay, okay. Well, that that would be from Little Rock. We would say never got a dinner party. Yeah, but in the South they say she never got a dinner. Right. She didn't get right. a gold watch. Right. She didn't get her dinner. Right. Right. So she got a garden. On Main Street. <laughs> oh, I love it. I see it now. It came together right there, Anita. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so, but that's not exactly placemaking, but it is sort of because that is a place that could be where community uh, gathers. And so uh, we had, um, there were several groups, the, the Main Street, uh, well, there were several people that that contributed to the sculptures. We had uh, UALR helped us so much. UA Little Rock, mm-hmm. uh, the sculpture department. Michael Warwick helped, and we had a scholarship fund. And each year we would get a new sco- a new sculpture, and so we'd throw a big party, and everybody could come, and it was kind of free at first. So uh, then, so that's kind of placemaking. That is when you can uh, bring people together and also you offer them things that they need. So 2007, here comes Steve LaFrance and Steve Edwards. They uh, did the Edwards Food Giant. They, you know, he, inter- he bought that mm-hmm. and, and improved it, I believe. And then uh, Steve LaFrance did USA Drug. So mm-hmm. we have groceries and we have drugstore. And then we have some of these quaint little things that we have in our little pocket of the world from 14th uh, to 15th. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read pu- I read placemaking the design of I read the definition uh-huh. of it the design of public spaces that reflects the character and the assets of the community. I think that's perfect. Did you plan for it to be a sculpture garden when you started it, or was it just going to be a brown a dirt a place for dirt? Would you say a, a dirt spot so that you know that was more natural and was, took care of the earth, or did you plan for it to be a sculpture garden? I sort or did of it wanted it to be a sculpture garden because at that uh, Seattle trip mm-hmm. uh, in Seattle at that time, it's been you know a long time since I was there, but they had uh, sculptures everywhere, and mm-hmm. it was so fun to look at all the sculptures to me. And now, uh, so that was 2011. I believe you opened it in 2011, so it's seven years old. And Well, actually, 2007 is when we, uh, oh, okay. when it, uh, it was landscaped, and uh, it was Larson, Burns, and Smith, and now they're called the Ecological Group, I think. And so they did a lot of things that were would be sustainable, mm-hmm. and then the, the roof on the top was built in 2011. I love the roof on the top. I love it, too. The whole place is beautiful. Thank you. Uh, and now it is a home for everything. The Mardi Gras celebration, the beard growing contest. We have a great beard growing contest here in Arkansas. Farmer's Market in the summer. Uh, your annual cornbread festival. I think it's your baby, isn't it? Yes. Because you grew up eating cornbread. Yes. Cornbread and sweet milk at night. 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm southern too i didn't put the sweet milk on there but i did the cornbread with regular milk and uh how do people find out about your events it does does uh, bernice garden have a website uh yes we have a website we have an active facebook page and we're combining the farmer's market and the uh, bernice garden facebook and all our social media so um what's that you know what that earl is you know what the address to that Facebook page is? No. Just put no. it in Bernice Garden and it ought to come up in Little Should. Rock, Arkansas. And also, would you rather people... I like, I like Facebook better. It's easier to keep up with Facebook with what's going on. So if people went to Bernice Garden's Facebook page, they could keep up with the events because you right. probably got somebody posting events yes. on there yes. all the time. Yes, yes, I'm not, I'm not good at that. Well, you so, can't do everything. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do everything. I learned that a long time yeah. ago. I don't post to our Facebook page. It's too much. Can't, it's a full-time job these days yes, social sure. media is so you're really proud of that you feel like it was serendipity your yes. grandmother's yes. name bernice yes. gardens and then the building that was uh bernice building yes is now boulevard bread uh-huh. is that right and moxie which is a mercantile store right moxie mercantile. it's a really fun wonderful store so we've got to take a break but i want to tell you a moxie mercantile story she's the reason i have this radio show really she really is she i one day left church and i was driving down main street and she was open on that sunday and i thought you know i've never been in there so I'm, but i heard they had dirty funny dirty cards <laughs> so i went in there to get a funny dirty card and i'm looking around and she was working the owner was working and she found out who i was and uh-huh. she said oh i've got some internet questions i want to ask you and we talked for 30 minutes about uh, advertising and internet marketing and when i got in the car i thought oh there's a bunch of things i forgot to tell her and then as I drove away, I thought, well, I'll call her later. And then I realized that that week I had been emailed, called, and run into somebody who had asked me business advice. And I thought, I'm going to start a radio show and start telling people what I know. I love that. I because know. Would Laura you? Kaler is an incredible woman. She's doing mm-hmm. a good job down yeah. there. Uh, all right, let's take another break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with the South on Main developer, entrepreneur extraordinaire, SE Purse Museum curator, Miss Anita Davis. Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. McCoy began this broadcast with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversations and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I'm Adrienne McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic DeBorean Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30, and Saturday, 10 to 4. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Miss Anita Davis, leading developer of South on Main in Little Rock, Arkansas, and curator for her own SC Purse Museum, which we're going to find out a bunch out about in just a minute. We were talking about your visions for uh, starting South on Main and how it reminded you of Murfreesboro and that quiet community. We're talking about what an entrepreneur you were and how you've done so many things. And then we talked about how it was almost a God thing that, or a spiritual thing, that you were led to buy a building that had your mother, grandmother's name on it. Um, and then you went to a uh, Main Street uh, convention in Seattle, Washington, and heard this term placemaking, and your vision began to really, really grow. Um, what was it about You'd lived in Little Rock for a little while. What was it that happened around 2004 that made you decide to start My buying? mother died. Oh. Yeah. My mother died in February. Would she? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm happy for her. Yeah. How old was your big, mother? Big influences. Oh, big uh-huh. influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was 80, 
It, she died on, uh, like, her um, funeral was on the first day of the year, so I always get a little confused, but I think she was 83. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is funny how you do that. I'm like, was uh-huh. mother 94 or 95? Yes. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, no. uh-huh. um, so you, your mother passes away, and you decide all of a sudden it's time to pay forward. Well, I'd sort of been thinking that anyway. I had reached an age that, you know, I had dabbled in this and dabbled in that. And then I thought, you know, time is coming on, and, and you, you really could make a difference somehow. So I sort of had pinpointed a few things that seemed important to me but how to do them was kind of the the question so that's kind of how it all it seems like that it, it's been working my whole life towards something and it's weird how that feels because uh, when I moved to Little Rock um, in the 80s the late 80s um, I I was real fortunate to get to have a dream teacher, uh, Susan Sim Smith. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, so I, I really didn't have much influence about uh, my own, investigating my own self. And so that was, that was uh, kind of a first. I didn't speak up. I was in a group of women for a year before I would even speak. And so I was a little, you think I'm shy now. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> so I was practically a mute. A mute. <laughs> yes. And so anyway, but uh, it, you know, in the South, it's kind of interesting when you are around women because uh, there's a lot of competition sometimes. But with this group, I was safe. And mm-hmm. so anyway. So you started buying them in 2004, I believe. And you bought all the way up till you started buying piecemealing and buying all the way up till you bought the SC Purse Museum in what year? The building that it's in. Oh, uh, that was 2011. So in 2011, uh-huh. you bought uh-huh. the SC Purse Museum. Was that the last building you bought? Yes. And how did that come about? Uh, well, um, I had a traveling exhibit that traveled the United States from 2006 to 2011. It started in Concord, Massachusetts, and it ended up in Seattle. And um, it went to a lot of history, small history museums in between, and it came to a ham here, Historic Arkansas Museum. And uh, Bill Worthen uh, rented it, and he rented it again because he said it was the best attended uh, special exhibit that they had. So uh, that gave me a clue that whenever it came back from this traveling exhibit that it might be a good idea to uh, plant it in the Soma area. So the name of that exhibit was The Purse and the Person, A Century of Women's Purses. Yes, that was right. And I've never known anybody that had a traveling exhibit ever. Do you get paid? To, do people pay you for your exhibit? No, you don't. Uh, you actually, uh, you have to pay the curators yourself. And then they, they the, it's an awful lot of work. Because uh, it, it is all packed up. It's identified correctly and it's uh, shown then they curate it and then they put it in a a semi-trailer truck and then they rent it in all these different places and so many of the exhibit companies have have went out of business that was between 2006 and 2011 so 2008 was really hard on that business why Uh, the the economy Oh, that's right. 2008, mm-hmm. the banking crisis. Right. So, uh, anyway, uh, I sort of knew that if I ever wanted to do anything with the purses, it would be it would give it good promotion the, that collection. And so, um, tell me how you started collecting purses. Well, let's see. My mother was quite a a, a fashionista. A clothes horse and she loved to shop and so I, I was an only child and dragged along past you know after her and so I learned a lot about accessories and uh, shoes and purses and all that how many closets did this woman have oh or a room she yeah a room. yeah she yeah and so anyway um so she started really collecting well, she just bought because she didn't like anything old necessarily. She just wanted new things. And I always, I, somehow I got the gene for liking old things. So well. <laughs> so anyway, I would go to the flea markets, but I recognized the quality that my mother taught me. So that's kind of, I guess. But 
you know, when you go to a flea market and you see things that other people don't value, but you value, you get excited about it. And especially if it's not where you are expecting to find it. Why purses? I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is, looking back, (laughs) I was being taught when I moved here about the feminine and the divine feminine. All in the, you know, Susan was really teaching me all this stuff. And so, and then I was learning how to interact with women in a healthy way, you know. And so then I realized that I was collecting a container for the feminine. But I had no idea that any of that was really, I mean, this sounds so kind of crazy, but it's the truth and it's kind of the way it happened. So the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. Is that a phrase that can be Googled? Yes. So. I think we should put that on the website, the Divine Feminine. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it led you to where you are today. I've heard you call this end of South Maine the feminine area of Little Rock. Yes, because I feel like it's a, a kind of a, a warm and friendly place, and um, it is something that has this whole area has suffered, and I feel like it is a part that uh, really is in need of nurturing, and a, a, a woman is a nurturer by usually. So can't help it. We can't uh-uh. help it. Nope. If it's broken, we'll fix it. Try to anyway. We'll try to. <laughs> <laughs> so you've um, you've you've the Root Cafe is renovated, and they're in at the corner of Maine and Fifteenth or Sixteenth or where? Fifteenth, uh, Maine. Uh-huh. Yeah, Fifteenth uh-huh. and Maine, and now you've decided to buy the building right next door because your the purse and the person a century old women's persons your traveling exhibit has done so well. You think there's a need for this, and you put it in, and we have to say the Huffington Post once you did put it in, included it in their list of the world's hottest museums. In 2014. Yeah, that was exciting. You were right. Because they, I mean, that's no, that's nothing to sneeze about. So you decided to buy this building and started working on it in 2011. Tell us about that. Well, uh, it was stage works and John Cook was ready to, uh, he, he really could do his work, not on Main Street necessarily, and he was willing to sell his building. And he rented back from me for about a, month, a year because I wasn't quite ready to go after that building to redo it. Tackle and, the renovation. Yes. So, um, and then we opened in 2013, so in July. What's, what do you think? So it's the Divine Feminine. And was that just your driving goal, or was it a driving goal to do something with your collection so that you could display it, or what do you think the driving um, goal was that made it come together? Um, I think sharing it was uh, important because women are not, there's not another women's history museum, and basically that's what it is. And women, uh, it, it's such a, a timely manner. We uh, need to celebrate ourselves and honor ourselves. And so that's what this building is about. We are showing uh, the challenges that women have had throughout the time. We show uh, history decade by decade, and we have not through 1900 to 19, uh, 2000. And so we show purses, what might have been in the purses, photographs of women holding their purses, mm. and then a brief history. So you can see in the case where the teens is, is World War One, and it's a very drab, somber time, and the purses reflect that. Mm-hmm. And then in the 20s, it's more fun, and people are wearing makeup, and so there's makeup in the purses mm-hmm. and uh, smoking accessories. and My favorite. Yeah, all kinds of fabulous things. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, 30s also was, it was kind of trying. But, but women... You know, we we ha- I went to Washington D.C. not two well two or three years ago, and uh, there were all kinds of of uh, statues and sculptures and everything all about men. It was as if women. I didn't see very many women uh, things that honored women. I don't. I've never thought about that. <laughs> well, Rose I took the tour. Not even up there. <laughs> I took the tour. You know, the the thing with that you can go through the little trolley and and even the uh, person that was giving us the story, the history of our nation, left out women. Well, they we we did play a small role. We did. Uh, we were the hostess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love doing that. I must say that is nice to be the hostess. 
But, yeah, I think we've done more than that. Yeah. But I have to say, prior to birth control, which you and I remember. Yes. It was hard for us to do a lot. Yes, of course. Yes. I mean, but once birth control happened in the 60s, women's lives changed dramatically. But let me tell you this. I uh, People uh, donate to our museum uh, their grandmother's purses or their... And then uh, when they come in, they tell us the stories. There, there was a woman who was an artist, and she, uh, her daughter, she had just died, and her daughter brought these three fabulous purses in, and she was telling me about her mother's life and that she paid her own way to uh, school in Denton, Texas, and then she, uh, she got her, her uh, she graduated, and she wanted to buy a car, and she couldn't buy a car, so she had to move back and be you know get her dad to buy her car but she paid for it and so I mean she just moved right Mm -hmm. on it was as if she didn't have a lot of hurdles Mm -hmm. and then another woman brought her mom's uh her great great grandmother's things and her grandmother whatever however she was related Mm -hmm. uh learned she was born in the 20s and she learned to fly an airplane and she had her own airplane and this is Arkansas people yeah and and then there's Catherine Hepburn there were a lot of women who really were right you know progressive right uh there was even the I just watched her uh biography and boy this is when I need Tim to help me pull these things out of the air there was a biography I watched on tv about a woman actress who invented the um Marlene Dietrich a bad. No, it was, but you're getting really okay. close. <laughs> All right, we're not going to tor- torture yeah. anybody. Have you guys heard of Swal- Turn your mic on. Turn your mic on. Have you guys, have you guys heard of uh, Swalde City Sioux? No. Uh, have you ever watched MASH and seen the like where they have the clips of the radio show with the woman preaching against the war? Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually a woman from Arkansas. Really? Well, there you go. We got that's one based more. on a woman from Arkansas. Well, we'll have to look her up. Yeah, we will. So I want to take this time to tell everybody you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Anita Davis. We're about out of time, so we're not going to go to a break. Tell us what your favorite purse is. I love a purse that's black flannel, and it has a great big um, safety pin. It's like this big. Uh, for the handle and y'all that's a that's 12 inches y'all she's holding up 12 inches (laughs) it's the radio it's this big (laughs) (laughs) all right so it's how wide two feet wide with a 12 inch safety pin on the front well it's not really two feet wide it's sort of deep Uh uh-huh oh it's deep uh Uh and it looks like um a diaper audrey hepburn would have carried it it's very beautiful and um elegant I love the plastic purses yeah, that snap too. at the top uh-huh. that I guess are probably the 40s. Yes. But they don't carry enough today because today you almost need a briefcase right. or a backpack to carry all the stuff you want to carry. And I find that very disheartening because I want to put a purse on with my mm-hmm. outfit and you almost have to have a purse inside of a purse. Right. We, you can weigh your purse at SE and then you are admonished if it's real heavy. <laughs> but <Is that> true? <laughs> That's funny. Because you hurt your back. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, do you carry a lot of different purses, or do you like everybody else? The I'm so I'm very much like everybody else because uh, I have so many purses, and but occasionally um, in the store there'll be one that I think I have to wear this one. I just love this one. But before I opened, I'd carried the same, uh, let's see, shoulder bag. I guess it was uh, for about ten years. How what how what when when is a bag too heavy? What's the weight that I you I can't remember that you would say? Okay, what's the word Essie? I looked up the word Essie for Essie purse. Uh-huh. I thought maybe it was your mother's name. No, no, it it means to be in Latin, and a woman's purse holds who she is, um, her essence. You can uh, smell a woman's purse. I mean, like you, if you remember what your mom's purse smelled like. Mine mm-hmm. was tea rose. My mother's purse was tea rose. You can just remember. Uh, her essence and so a a woman's purse is really important as far as holding her identity i think mine smells like dirty diapers half of my life (laughs) (laughs) i do i was like oh yeah um so what's next i know you got something next don't tell me you don't because i know you do look she's not wanting to know if she's going to tell us or not to be continued 
to be continued. So you started the Cornbread Festival because you grew up eating cornbread. Uh-huh. Plus, this neighborhood is similar to what I grew up with, and, and uh, it, it feels like that this could be, it's a cornbread's heritage, mm-hmm. and it's something that we can all remember uh, no, y'all can't remember a lot of the people in this room can't remember they but don't eat cornbread anymore. they don't eat cornbread anymore they're too they're too affluent america's too affluent right but anyway cornbread's good and and it, it it's sort of part of the slow food movement and eating vegetables along with your cornbread and uh, you know we'll do it until we don't so what's your legacy what do you want your legacy to be you know, I don't really even like thinking about my legacy. It's sort of like you live your life and then other people can kind of figure out what it is that was important. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have two fabulous daughters mm-hmm. and uh, one lives in Santa Fe and one lives in New Orleans and uh, just talk to them uh, most days and enjoy watching them grow with their wisdom and and their interest and their eccentricities and all that. So. Um, you know, I think that will be decided by other people, maybe. Well, I, I, I drove down South Main on my way here because people don't know this. KABF is on Main Street at 22nd or 21st in Main. And all of your good work is between 14th and 15th in Main. So I drove down Main Street on the way here and I noticed how absolutely thriving and clean like you said and just full of activity and there were people everywhere and I thought to myself I would be so proud of myself if I was you well look at all the people okay Joe Fox has been there the entire time and he's right there at the end just like these other fellas are at the other end Mm -hmm. and then uh, we have Rocktown Distillery that's just come in John Brandenburg is working with Joe Fox at Community Bakery we have a new t-shirt shop, the Escape Place, the Reinvented Vintage, I believe, and uh, South uh, South on Main, the restaurant, and Oxford American, and there's just so many. Raduno, the, uh, you know, know. and then John Bell and Chris Clement, and I would just go on and on and on, and it's so wonderful, too. It's very much like you said. You've got the drugstore down Uh there. You've got a grocery store down there. You've got restaurants down Mm -hmm. there. You've got a a green space down Mm -hmm. there. Uh, It's And do you live downtown now? I don't. I, I live in the same house that I've lived in for 30 years. Oh. Yeah, and I, I love my house, but I, I'm, I'm not as social as... Um, You're shy. You are shy. I, well, I'm an introvert, basically. Okay. So that kind of helps me to keep, you know, to have enough time to kind of keep myself sane. Right. <laughs> right. You need to get away from it. So uh-huh. if, if, if you were going to tell yourself of 20 years ago something... Or 40 years ago yeah. something. What would it be? That's always a hard um, one. Hmm. Figure out who you are. Do more dream work. Yeah. I think that dream work, you've mentioned it several times, yeah. really opened it's important you up. To, important to me. And, uh, you know, I, I was raised Baptist, and I was taught about dreams in in that uh, religion. In the Baptist religion? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, not, not to the union <laughs> extent, yeah. but... It sort of made it okay because I was very, you know, I was trying to do the right thing. And it did open up a whole world for me that, that taught me things that I feel like have uh, impressed on me, uh, you know, for all my life. The Bible is full of dreams. Yes. It really is. We had a woman in here not too long ago who uh, lost her uh, Madonna Badger and she lost her three daughters and her mother and her father in a in a house fire the Christmas Eve the night before. Oh, in New York. Yes. yes. And she was on the radio show about a month ago, and wow. she came on, and uh-huh. she said that the, 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 the turning point for her was one day when she was in her bathroom crying and looked in the mirror and, said, and had this kind of out-of-body experience, and she said, that woman in the mirror is in so much pain. She said, didn't even look like me. And she said, and while she was staring at this woman in the mirror, thinking, wow, that woman's hurt, her children, her deceased children and mother and father came around her in the mirror and told her that it was okay and that dreams were more real than life. 
I and, love it. And she said from that point on, she began to get well. Mm-hmm. All right. It's the end of the show. I've got a present for you. I usually give people a flag, but for you, I'm giving a purse, of course, from <laughs> Arkansas Flag and Banner. Oh, I love it. It's a black and white American that is flag fabulous. over the shoulder purse. And you know. I love it. it. Th- thank you. It, it's, it's you. Beyonce made this black and white flag image popular on her tour. What was that tour called, Matthew? You went to Beyonce's concert where she wore black and white. You remember the name of the tour? No. What was it? The one she did with Jay-Z, whatever that was. Whatever. She did a tour with Jay-Z. Run, she made... Run something, run the world. Nobody knows. I need Tim, my trivia guy here, to tell me all the stuff. <laughs> so um, so anyway, black. she made black and white American flags really popular, so it's yes. kind of a sign of the times. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's fun to tell your story. It yes. was great to hear your story. Man, oh man, you're an inspiration to all of us. Jesse, who's our guest next week? Uh, Steve Clark. Oh yeah, I've known Steve Clark a long time. We were acquaintances. He probably doesn't remember this, but I know him because he was the Attorney General in the 1980s for Arkansas. And he actually is today the executive director for Fayetteville Chamber of Commerce, and he's knocking it out of the ballpark, people. Uh, I think something interesting about him is he and Bill Clinton, I read this on his Wikipedia page, he and Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham, before she was Hillary Rodham Clinton, were all in law school at Fayetteville together. I know, talk about small world. And he almost ran for governor in 1990 against his friend Bill Clinton crazy guy that politics it it doesn't care does it i don't care if your best friends or not i'm going to run against you in the next election but he didn't so i just want to tell everybody out there if you've got a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share i would love to hear from you send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.com and that's questions with an s and finally to our listeners thank you for spending time with me if you think this program's been about you you're right but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. If you'd like to hear this program again next week, go to flagandbanner.com. Click the tab labeled Radio Show, and there you'll find a podcast with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. Carrie's goal? To help you live the American dream.